This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I want to talk a little bit about the aspects of, of Rus and then how it comes out in spiritual DNA because there is something thing, I'm in the middle of writing a book and it's going to be a while, but on something called spiritual DNA, just like in the physical world, whoever has their phone, please put it away. Just like in the physical world, you have DNA from your parents, color of your hair, height, color of your eyes. Um, you know, when you go to the doctor, you have to fill out um, past history. So we have this DNA that we get from our parents. You also have spiritual DNA from your parents. What's the most famous spiritual DNA? It says if a person is not a Baal Chesed and you don't, you don't have pity on people or empathy for people, then you're probably not Jewish. Why? Because Avraham Avinu was a Baal Chesed. And if you don't have Chesed then you're probably, you don't come from Avraham Avinu. So you see from there, what do you mean? What do I have to do with Avraham Avinu? He lived five, five, four thousand years ago. I have nothing to do with Avraham Avinu. I didn't see him. Right, but if you come from his DNA, so that's, you know, that's, that's Jewish DNA. And we find many places, the Benot Salafchad um, were also, they were from Yosef. And Yosef said, you have to take my bones out of Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. So we see their, Rashi said, we see their love. So you, see it in many, you see it in many different places. The, another very famous place is that Chava, Chava ate from the tree because she was jealous of Hashem. The Nachash said, the snake said, Hashem had no good between good and bad, and you don't. So she was jealous, and that's why she ate from the tree. So the spiritual DNA immediately went to her children. Cain and Hevel. Cain was jealous, he killed Hevel. The brothers were jealous, they sold Yosef. So that's also not spiritual DNA. So spiritual DNA is a real thing. So when you do something, you cause an effect on your children and your grandchildren. So there's like some girls that have no um, struggle with sneers and they'll find out that their mother also didn't have a struggle with sneers. So it's, or that she overcame the struggle. So you see in many different things, you see that. Um, that this is, so, so when you do something, when you do something, you need to know it's not only affecting you, it's affecting your children and it's affecting your grandchildren and all the diverse that are going to come from you. So if you could break a bad midah, if you could break a bad midah, you're helping your grandchildren break a bad meter. They're not going to have to deal with it. Okay. We see this very much by Rus. Now listen very carefully to the difference a moment in your life can make, just one moment, a difference between holding on and letting go. Okay. So, you're all thinking like, on a rope, and I'll fall if I don't fall. But let's l- listen to what happens. So, Naomi, Naomi has two daughter-in-laws, Arpa and Rus. Naomi had two Jewish children, Machlon and Chilion. They married these two Goyim. They married Goyim. Okay, you see they were assimilating already in those days. They both died. Machlon and Chilion died, no children. No children. And Rus... They had a very good relationship, very unusual that you have such a good relationship with your mother-in-law. Right? But they had a very good relationship with their mother-in-law. So good that when Naomi said, I'm going back now to Israel, to the Jews, these two were princesses of Moab. They, didn't, they, weren't, they weren't Jewish. They said, we want to go with you. We don't want to leave you. We want to hang out, the three of us. We'll get together. We don't ever want to separate from you. So they said, so Naomi again a second time said to them, what are you doing? I'm taking you back to the Jews. The Jews don't want you. And I'm not going to have any more children for you to marry. You, no one's going to marry you. You're going to be two single women with a miserable life. Go home! Now she already told them to go home and they said no. But now she said it a second time. 
So what happens? They said, no, mother-in-law, they start crying. I want to be with you, I don't want to leave. But, Vatishak Orpa gave her mother-in-law a kiss, and she left. But Rus Tafkaba, Rus held on. And Rus told her, stop, stop. Stop trying to talk me into leaving you. I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, sounds very like, wherever you go, I'll go. Nice, right? Wherever you lay your head down to rest, I'll lay my head down to rest. Your nation was said to her, she's a guy, Ami is my nation. Your God, because Ruth came from Avaydazara, your God, Elikai. Your God is my God. Okay. She said the only thing, sounds very romantic, the only thing that will separate me and you, Ruth said to her mother in law, is what? Anyone here know? The only thing that will separate us is, imagine you're married. What would be the most loving thing you could tell your husband? The only thing that will ever separate us will be, what? Death. Nothing else can separate us. We're together forever. Wow. That's big words. Only death do us part. Right? Okay. So Ruth is not leaving. Now I'm going to tell you something pretty disgusting. They're like, oh, good. Arpa, that night, she left. Now, a moment before that, she's holding on, you have to understand, a moment before that, she's holding on to, to um, the army, and she's like, I'll never leave you, and I don't want to leave you, and then she's like, okay, I'll leave you. The Medrash says that that night, she slept with a hundred men. In one night. And, you ready for something disgusting? A dog. A hundred men and a dog. She fell from the highest place of, I'll go with you, I want to be with you, I don't want to believe you, to sleep with a hundred men and a dog. And Rus, who held on, who didn't let go, ended up becoming the great-grandmother of Dabar HaMelech. So you have two people... I'll put my homage down for a second. You have two people that are at the same place, right? They're both holding on to Naomi. And one holds on, Dabar Amel's grandmother. And one lets go. You know what happened from that night. She became pregnant. Arpa became pregnant. And you know who she gave birth to? Goliath. The giant that fought, would you say puppies? What are you laughing about back there? I don't even want to know what you said, but anyway, right? But you're laughing, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something what happened. So, so she gave birth to a giant called Goliath, who ended up, Orpah's great-grandson was Goliath, no, his son was Goliath, who fought Russes. They ended up fighting. David and Malach killed Goliath. Now, there's a very, a very interesting discussion between David and Malach 
and the giant. So you had this huge giant, right? And he came very, very armed. And so the Melech was not armed at all. Right? Let's find Dovid Melech here. He came with him. What he, what he, so Dovid so Melech killed him. Anyone know with what? A slingshot with rocks, right? But he didn't let him see that. It was hidden in his shirt. He came with a stick. So you get this big giant. Shield. A mace. Arrows. A spear. Helmet. She, I mean, total armor. And he's going up against this little Jewish kid who's coming with sandals and a stick. So the giant said to David Amelech, which if I didn't tell you the if I didn't tell you the Medrish, you wouldn't understand what he's saying. And he said the following. This is what he said to David Amelech. He said the following. Yeah, listen to this. Vayabed and the giant stared at him. Vayira as David vayivzehu, and he saw David, and he embarrassed him. He made fun of him. Waikihayanar, David was a little boy, a, a, a lad, but and he was a redhead. Imyefemare with beautiful blue eyes. Okay, so this beautiful young little redhead boy, unarmed with a stick. And he's going against a giant monster. Okay? I think it brings down that he was 13 feet tall. Okay? David was not tall, and he was 13 feet tall. By Yamaha el David. And he said something very interesting. That's how the Medrash, we know the Medrash. And the Plishti said, the, the, the giant, right? Goliath said to David, Hakelevanoichi? You think I'm from a dog? Because everyone knew what happened that night. So he was making, he was saying to David Melch, oh, one second, you, you think that I'm from the dog and my mother? So you came with a stick? Because that's how you deal with a dog? That's what he said to David Melch. What, you making fun of me? You think I'm from the dog? Right? Okay. You're coming at me with sticks? And the plishti, and the plishti cursed David. In the name of his avodah zara, but Yehovah pushed the old David, and the pushed he's back, he's trash talking him. Said to David, "Lachai, come here, you little boy. I'm going to give you a meat. I'm going to give your body to the birds in the sky, and to the cows, to the domestic animals in the field. Now, beautiful medrash here. When David heard this, David knew that he was going to win." How do you know he's going to win? Because he listened very carefully to what came out of people's mouth. And the plishti said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to feed your, your body, your carcass, to the birds and to the cows. And David said, cows don't eat meat. Domesticated animals don't eat meat. Which means that what you just said can't happen. Which means you're going to lose. He knew Hashem sent him a message from what came out of the Plishti's mouth. So the Plishti said, I'm going to feed you to the birds and to the cows. Cows don't eat people. They eat, they eat hay. 
So David Wright felt very much better. He said, oh, thank you, Hashem, you sent me a message that he ain't gonna, they ain't gonna eat me. You're coming to attack me with a sword and a javelin and, 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 and a shield. I don't need nothing. I'm coming to you with the name of Hashem. And he killed them. Now let's go back. Let's go back to what Rus, let's talk about spiritual DNA. Let's go back to what Rus said to Naomi. What did she say? She said, Your God, she said to Naomi, is my God. What does David Amalekh say when he goes up against the Plishti? He says, I don't need anything. I have God. Where did David get God from? Because Rush told Naomi, your God is my God. So David didn't need anything because he came from a great-grandmother who bought into our God. Spiritual DNA. So the, the, a point that I really do want to make that's very, very important is a story that I dealt with myself. So what happened here? Two women at the same point, at the same time, one sticks, one leaves. One's with a hundred men and a dog, and the other one's Eim HaMalchus. One moment. So you know, I'm sure you, you've learned this and you've seen it. You take two things together, and you take one of them, and you just move it a little bit. So it doesn't look like much. Girl went off to Derek a little bit. She's watching movies. She's not, not crazy movies. She, she never watched movies. She was a basic girl, but now, a friend, she got a new phone. Uh, you know iPhone XZ number 2, 12 number 3, and the movie actually comes off the screen to your face, whatever it does, I don't know what it does, right? So like, I didn't really change, I just started watching a little bit movies, so you don't see it, you don't see it. But, as time goes on, that little change, 10 years later, looks like this. This keeps going straight, and this little thing that was off, so 10 years later, look where they are. And that's the power of the Eight Sahara. So Arpa, yeah, they were together, but she just took a little move to the right. She let go. She let go. Girls, you can't let go. You can't let go. Because when you let go of your Yiddishkeit, a little bit, just a little bit, I'm not saying that you do what she did, but yeah, it ends up 10 years later like that. So I'll tell you a story. That happened with me, and then I'll let you go. And we'd love to have more girls come for the shop. For the show is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing all night, and it's it's we got a fantastic schedule, and it's going to be amazing. Whoever can come should come. I think right now we have sixteen girls. Anyway, listen to the story. So, a lady came to my house, and exactly this. She sat down. She said, "Well, I I have to ask you something." I'm like, "Okay, sure." She says, "My daughter, I'll make up a name. My daughter Rachel um, was really a good girl." She had a best friend, Miriam. And Rachel and Miriam were in, in high school together. And they were from Tznius. They didn't talk to boys. They are both very good girls. They did well in school. She said, they're out of school right now, seven years. My daughter is going out with a non-Jewish guy. Doesn't keep kosher, doesn't keep Shabbos, doesn't do anything. Her friend, who was mamish, they were like buddies. She's in Israel, married to a cuddle guy. She has two kids. Now, Wallerstein, 
How did that happen? How did that happen? Two friends graduated together in the same place, both from my daughter's with a guy, doesn't keep anything, and her best friend is married to a Kyle guy in Israel. What does Hashem want from me? What was her question? Okay, and I thought about Rus and Arpa. Two girls, same place, and today, and, 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 and a few years later, one's the great grandmother of David Amalek, and the other one's the, the, the mother of a, of a giant plishti. How does that happen? So I got the perfect story for you to explain it. So, there was a king, and always in the Medrash, kings have beautiful daughters. The Medrash never said a king had an ugly daughter. There's no such thing. Because in the Medrash, the king is Hashem, and we're the daughter. We're beautiful. So anyway, there was a king who had, a, who had this daughter, and he wanted to get a shidduch for her. But there were thousands of guys that wanted to marry her. She was beautiful, and she was rich. And whoever marries her becomes a prince, and one day the king. So the king didn't know what to do. Who, 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 whose resume should he take? He said, you know what? I'm going to make a contest. And he builds a tower a thousand steps high. And each step is not a little step, crazy wide. And he tells, he makes an announcement to the country, whoever wants to marry my daughter who's single, in two days, as the sun sets, there's going to be a race up my new tower. And whoever by sunrise the next morning gets to the top, gets the princess. But if you don't make it to the top, you get nothing. It's not like who wins the race, who gets to the top first. But if you don't get to the top, you don't get nothing. Okay? Everyone's excited. I'm going to get the princess. And, right, comes sun setting. Thousand guys are running, are going to run up the steps. Everybody wants the princess. Sun sets and the race begins. But there are a lot of guys that were totally very overweight and extremely out of shape. And they only could make a hundred steps and they couldn't breathe anymore. But they're guys. They don't want to say like, I'm fat and I can't breathe and I'm, uh, I'm out of shape and I can't do this. So they had to make up a story. So they started a story that Ah, there's no princess. There's no princess in the top of the tower. Nobody can make it up there. It's a trick. And the king in the morning is going to sit with all his friends at the bottom of the steps and laugh their brains off at all the idiots that are running up the steps. We can't make it. It's just a joke. There's no princess. He's not getting to a princess because a guy can go up the steps. You want someone educated, handsome. This doesn't make any sense. I'm telling you, the whole thing's made up because they didn't want to say that they can't breathe. And this is going on a whole night. As, as guys were out of shape and they couldn't breathe, they're making up the story and the whole rumor's going and everyone's like, you know what? It's true. We're only up to the 400 step and there's only a few hours left. It is impossible. It's impossible. So it's true. The king is going to, it's just a joke. So let's get out of here because we don't want to be the fools. And everybody starts running down. Everybody's running down the steps. Except for the two guys that are in the best shape. And they're on the 700th step. And there's only one hour left. And there's no way you could do 300 steps in an hour. Because the whole night took him to get it to the 700th step. 
So Chaim turns to Maishi, the two of them with only two left, and he says, Maishi, let's not be suckers. This whole thing is a joke. Because we didn't stop running. And we're only at the 700 step. And he said, if you don't get to the top, you don't get to Princess anyway. So he knew it was impossible. There's nobody faster than us. I think they're right. I think, and the sun's going to come up, and the king and his friends are going to be laughing at the two guys, the two idiots that thought they could make it. So let's get out of here. We can run down in an hour. We can run down in an hour. And good, we'll teach the king a lesson. We're all his friends. They're going to be looking at steps that are empty. Ha! Maishi says, Nope. I'm not running down. Chaim says, What are you talking about? I'm telling you, the whole thing's a joke. Maishi says, I'm going to keep going. He says, What are you going to keep going? You're not, you're not even going to make it to the 800 step. He says, I have to tell you something, Chaim. I worked for the king for five years in the castle. There's two things you need to know about this king. One, he has no sense of humor. He doesn't make jokes. This is definitely not a joke. He don't laugh and he don't make jokes. So this is not a joke. Yeah, yeah, but we can't make it. We can't make it. He says the second thing about the king, he never lies. Ever. Ever in five years, one thing we all know, if he says something, it's true. So I don't understand what's going on here. There's something we don't know, but it's not a joke. And it's not a lie. Chaim says, Maishi, you want to be the only guy left here? I'm going to be on the bottom laughing at you too. And he turns around and he runs as fast as he can down the steps. And Maishi's standing there by himself. And he's looking up at the top of the tower, and he's like, I know the king. King don't make jokes. King's word is a word, but, but I can't get up there in, in an hour. You know what? Maybe, because I'm the only guy left, the king will break his rule and let me marry her because I got the highest. Maybe. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to use that hour that I have left, and I'm going to keep going. Wherever I get to, I get to. But at least I did my best. And he takes the next, this story changed my life. And he takes the next step, on the 701st step, and there's a trigger. It's a movable step, and it triggers, and all of a sudden the steps in front of him open up. And an elevator comes out. And meanwhile, he turns, and his friend is chugging down, Chaim's chugging down the steps, because he doesn't want to be up there, and he screams to Chaim, Oh my gosh! Chaim! Elevator! Chaim's running down, he hears, Arr! Oh my God, my friend Maishi fell off the steps. And he's chugging, chugging. He gets into the elevator. There's a rose, a bottle of champagne, two glasses, two candles, and a button that says P on it, the letter P. And he says, oh, that's cool. Penthouse, princess, I'm not sure. And he pushes it. And the doors close. Elevator goes underneath the steps and there's a track. Like an express train. This thing is zooming. Comes up to the top. The doors open. As the sun is beginning to rise. He steps out of the elevator. And girls, as he steps out of the elevator to the top floor, his friend steps off the last step on the bottom.
two guys in the same place, in the same moment, and now, an hour later, one is at the top, and one is not even on the bottom, he's totally off the steps. And he opens the door, and standing there is the most beautiful woman he ever in his life dreamt of. And she says, thank you so much for making it. And he looks at her and says, I'm a farm guy, I'm a peasant. You're the princess. No, thank you. She goes, no, you don't understand. My father said that if no one makes it, I will be stuck up here for the rest of my life by myself. And I saw the two of you on the 700 step. And I knew the elevator was in 700, but I, I wasn't allowed to interfere. And I saw the two of you talking. I'm like, take one more step. Just one more step. I was thinking, she could have yelled. She wasn't allowed to do that. But she was like, I was praying, take one more step. And then your friend turned around. And he started running down. I'm like, whoever that guy is on the 700 step, please don't turn around. Because if you turn around, I'm stuck here for the rest of my life. And you took the next step. Thank you so much. And by the way, there's something my father didn't tell anyone. Because he thought maybe more than one guy would make it. I want to introduce you to someone up here that's with me. He says, who's here with you? She says, I have a twin sister. That was for the second guy. And he runs to the door and he screams all the way down a thousand steps. Chaim! Twin sister! And Chaim hears, Oh my God, he fell again. Chaim has nothing. And my she has everything. So I told the story to the parrot of this girl that's off the derech, and I said, Tell me. You tell me. I don't want to tell you. You tell me. What's the difference between Chaim and Maishi? Why did one guy give up and one guy keep going? There's only one difference. Girls. Anyone know the difference? Come on, SWAT girls. What's the difference between the two? What'd you say? He what? Oh. Come on. Everybody who's watching on Torah Antifa, like, I know the answer. What's the difference between the two? What? You got it. Must be my niece. <laughs> one knew the king, one didn't. One knew the king's not a joker and not a liar. The other one had no idea, had no relationship with the king. So I said to this lady, I said, it might have looked like that the two of them were in school, base Yaakov, graduated. The other girl knew the king, your daughter did not. That's the difference. You can go through school the whole time, do your subjects, get 100, be valedictorian. You have no relationship with Hashem. You're a subject matter person. If you know the king, the king is not a joker. Hashem is not a joker. He doesn't have a sense of humor. And his word is the word. So if the king tells you you can do it, you can do it. For one step. Opa took one step. She held on. 
The first time she held on. And the second time she, held, she let go, but she kissed her. Well, when she kissed her goodbye, she kissed herself goodbye. That's the difference between the people who make it and the people who don't make it. The people who are willing to take the next step because they know the king. People have no idea who the king is, so they give up. Rus knew the king. Your God is my God. That gave David Amelech the power. I didn't get a chance to learn it inside today, but that gave David Amelech the power to know the king. So when Goliath came at him, he said, You got weapons. I know the king. I got God. And he killed him. And he became the Melech of Israel. He said, David Amelech was born on Shruis and he died on Shruis. May we have the schus on Shruis. To once again see Dabra Melech Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.